0: Why don't we get started because we have um, a really great session today planned for all of you. So first and foremost I'm glad to see everybody on the line. Um, especially those that open their webcams. It's always so nice to see so many smiling faces and feel like I'm not talking to a screen the whole time. Um, so thank you for that. So welcome to our Friday virtual coffee breaks through our Building Your Business program. I'm super excited about today's session. We have Rick with us, who is part of Caldwell Banker Commercial Realty down in Florida, who will be facilitating a conversation with Andrew on um, what I think is at the top of a lot of business owners' um, minds, especially those that are in an office setting or a retail setting, is what is the future design of that look like? Um, so we're lucky enough that Andrew just came over um, to Caldwell Banker Commercial, but he does have an architecture background, and he has um, one of his architecture counterparts on. So before I introduce them, um, Dan, if there's anything that you would like to share on top of this as well, because I know you are part of a committee at Realogy um, thinking about yeah. office
1: so first of all, that was Rick that came over, not Andrew. So Andrew, we'd love to have you, by the way. So no problem there. <laughs> glad you're with us. Um, yeah. So nothing more. This is, it's as Christina just said, it's super interesting. Obviously a hot topic now, which is, you know, what, not just how space will be reoccupied, because obviously people are going to reoccupy whatever space they have and make modifications, but what will, how will this pandemic potentially change how, The materials that are used, the design, you know, construct or concepts that are used in retail and office space. I was reading something about, you know, using more vertical surfaces compared to horizontal because they collect less germs. And, you know, who knows what's true or not. But I just thought, you know, that's an interesting, you know, and it's not just an open space versus cubicle environment. Right. There's other, you know, I don't even know what technology may be there for, you know, buttonless entry uh and uh maybe materials that resist germs and things like that so anyway just a really super interesting conversation and rick welcome you've been here only a short time uh, but we're great we're pleased to have you and um i learned i guess it was sort of by happenstance that i talked to rick and learned about his architecture background and and said this would be a perfect topic so thank you for arranging andrew's presence appreciate it
2: yeah no problem um it's exciting to to get the opportunity and uh you ever want a long discussion, ask an architect uh, to talk about what it does. because <laughs> yes. We're pretty good at talking. Um, but uh when Dan asked me to do this, um I was really excited, but my first thought was uh let's get the perspective of somebody that's still in it every day. Cause um as I'm with Caldwell Banker now, I'm kind of a I like to say I'm a recovering architect because uh You know, I did it for 15 years, and um, its I miss it, but it's great to be out of it. Um, (laughs) But uh, Andrew has a ton of experience and actually is working with me. Um, He works at Kohachi and Peterson, and one of my clients hired them um, to build out some of the medical marijuana dispensaries I represent, and uh, got to know him well. He's got a really great insight on actually – Technology as it, you know, integrates into the retail and built environment. So, I think that's going to take um, a leap forward with this whole COVID-19 thing. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. Um, Andrew and I were speaking, uh, you know, briefly in preparation for this, and we do see a lot of uh, a lot of changes. And I'm sure some of you brokers have as well. With uh, you know, I've got an office client that we were looking for an office space lease for a hundred people, and he called the other day, and it's down to between fifty and seventy-five because they're going to go kind of part-time with a lot of their mid-level staff. Um, so I'll let kind of Andrew introduce himself, and uh, get us going.
3: Well, thanks a lot for having me this morning, Uh, Rick. Thanks for that introduction. And I think me and you had a great conversation earlier this week in preparation to this. And, uh, you know, this is a conversation that we've all had for a long time, uh, you know, and it, it kind of goes to just the leasable space. So it it does cover office. It does cover retail. But the conversation that we've been having and, and it's it's been on our minds, it's, it's there's a transformation occurring. I mean, the old shopping centers, you know, to get a 700,000 square foot shopping center, you know, Fifteen years ago um, was was not as much of a challenge, right? We don't even think about that really too much anymore today. Um, and a lot of that has to do, and, and me and Rick, when we were talking, it was like the best analogy I could think of uh, to kind of explain what's going on right now. Uh, prior to this whole thing that we're going through in this new normal, was uh, you know I I sat back and really thought about it and you know it came down to this and it was like well if i was to talk to my grandfather and my father about 15 years ago and i would have asked them and we were looking for a golf club or something and i would have said hey you know have you have you went online and took a look around they both 15 years ago both of them would have looked at me and said you're nuts who would buy anything online i'm not going to put my credit card information no one's going to steal my information right and, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that that was like probably about 15, 20 years ago is all. And then, you know, you come to today. And if I was to ask my grandfather and my father that same question, you know, yesterday or a couple weeks ago, um, my father would look at me and said, yeah, of course, I've already, I've already bought it on Amazon. But my grandfather would look at me and still look at me like I had 12 eyes and say, who would put their information online? And, you know, I think what that starts to explain and the, and the habits that we have is that, you know, we, we we have habits and it's easier for, you know, and it's easier for some to kind of change and transform those habits. So, you know, there's some theories out there about generational theories, but, you know, as we've gone through what we're going through right now, I think that the main change has been that it's a mandatory force of habit change. So, you know, some of the people that were kind of creating these guardrails for us to kind of work through this transition transformation at a bit of a slower pace are no longer the people protecting us. They're in the same position as everybody else. And this has now become 100% mandatory. And as we get through this, you know, is it an acceleration? I don't know. But as we get through this, those habits have been changed. And those people that never would have thought of buying groceries online and going and picking them up for the store having them delivered to their house have now been forced to do that so are they going to keep doing that after this is all said and done or are they going to go back to their old habits um with that said you also have a significant generation that is just kind of lived that way Um, And and they've been forced to stay in their house for the last month and a half, two months. Are they going to, you know, are they going to revolt against it and come back and maybe want to go out and and experience more and and go to centers more? So, you know, from the retail side, um, as as an architecture firm that we're in a significant amount of industries from hospitality, industrial, um, grocery uh, retail which is is you know as all of us on this call know is is is, is kind of transformed into having medical it's in, it's got fitness it's got all these components to to go into retail now as we've evolved these shopping centers over the last 10 years um, the question really becomes you know what what is going to happen after this is done is that transformation just going to occur overnight absolutely not but um, as a firm and as, a, and as an architect, we've been looking at ways and it, and it has come down into the office space. It has come into the retail. So, you know, one of the things that has become a major point of discussion um, and even more so now has been, you know, there's four, you know, it used to be three, three key components to, you know, to designing. Let's just use grocery store, for example. You had the people coming in yeah you had you know maybe online pickup that's been along around it around enough to to become a part of the store so there's a little kiosk at the front or something like that where you go pick up stuff and then you had the delivery component where all the merchandise was coming in the back you know as as this transformation has been going through you're now seeing that you know the re the little kiosk that's the pickup at the front of the store has now become You know in many instances a drive-through on the outside where there's dedicated lanes and people bring the stuff right out of the store if you hit the app on your phone and it's and you sit in the parking lot and they come to the car but the other part of this that's really uh we're, we're seeing a lot of push and move on is the actual the kind of this fourth this fourth method which is you know not the deliveries coming in but now how do we handle the deliveries going out so you know from a retail standpoint i think it's you know we're we're starting to see this morphosis of the of the retail space of, of handing handling this whole entire kind of new component and you know before it was just let's have the car pull up to the front we'll put the stuff in the back but now it's actually becoming a very concerted thought and and the way that we're designing it and where does it fit best how does it not mess up the logistics from the inside of the store you know um especially in groceries, So, you know, from a retail side, I think that that's one of the things that we've really seen coming to fruition here. And I think that because of what's going on now, it's become even a higher point of discussion. So, um, the, you know, and everyone's gonna have their way of doing it. No one's, you know, in my experience and working with many of the retailers, it's everyone's kind of has their own approach to it. I think everyone's gonna do a lot of testing and balancing. Obviously, whatever's the most successful will probably start to drive itself into a lot of of these uh, retail establishments. You know, from the office standpoint, I think the transformation has been occurring as well. But, you know, again, this is another one of those things to see how it happens afterwards. You know, in our office, Uh, You know, in our Orlando office, we actually have two. We have uh, one over in Baldwin Park that's probably about 60, 70 people. And then we have uh, another office over, it's about a mile and a half down the road that's got about 140 people in it. Um, In order to, you know, as we've grown, in order to make the 140 people, we've kind of reached the full uh, capacity what we've started to employ as a company is to kind of the telework plan. And we've been doing that over the last couple of years. So, you know, I think what we've done to establish it so that these people can come to the offices instead of having the cubicles and the larger, you know, seven by seven or eight by eight areas for people to have desk and the offices next to it. We've actually created almost this line and row of, of computers where people that are mostly teleworking can just kind of, if they need to come to the office today, they get the small, space they come in and they plug in and you know you know when this is all said and done because of the success that we've had as a company with the telework plan we're actually talking about increasing the amount of that that's in our office significantly it, it might become a staple of the office where uh, you know 50 percent of the desks are kind of these you know transformative desks where you can kind of come in and plug in if you need to but you can work from home a lot so you know i think it's the mentality it's the change of habit. It's, it's always comes back to that question i talked about at the beginning with my grandfather versus my father and you know the same things going through with the mentality of of the bosses in corporate america and 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 the ceos of companies saying hey wait a minute um, you know, as we've gone through this, we've found that it's still been pretty successful to work through this telemarketing or telecommunicating environment and, and what's the transformation and how it takes place afterwards. Um, because of what we've gone through, maybe it's going to happen a bit faster than it would have. So, um, you know, Rick, I think that's a lot of what we had discussed. I mean, um, you know, if, if there's anything else that you wanted on those topics, I'd be glad to no, and loop.
2: I completely agree. I think you're uh, you're right that um, we're going to see some of the workspaces, you know, condense a little bit, and even in the retail world, as we get a little bit more of kind of showrooming and um, a lot of the online delivery coming from more you know, industrial type spaces, I think uh, the retail world is gonna become a little bit more mixed use by mixing in those, those medical uses and everything. Um, but uh, I will say, as we've all learned, um, when you telecommute or, or, what, or work half the time from your house, you want more time to actually get out and be amongst people. So I think a lot of these Really nice high end shopping centers, or your downtown um, main streets are going to explode because people are just going to crave that excitement or that kind of activity. So, all of these restaurants and um, activity based uses, I think, will just get more and more popular because people. They they do, they just want to be around people. They need that social interaction. So um, yeah, I I agree with everything you're saying. Um, And uh, I think those mid-tier properties are gonna take a hit or see a lot of change, which is actually good for us as brokers because change drives activity. And um, I think there'll always be a demand. I think that demand's just gonna change.
3: And I think that to that point, I mean, you know, the way that we've, you know, if you go back and study kind of retail, let's use retail as the example, I think that you know, the malls were kind of the answer to suburban sprawl, you know, back in the day, it became what you're talking about, right? It became that point of destination because, you know, as we spread out, there was this kind of place that we could all go to that was in the center and it was, you know, drop the kid off and 16 years old and they go and hang out with their friends at the mall, right? Um, but, you know, the other thing that's going on right now is, you know, as, as the population increased within the cities, I, I, there was a statistic out there, and I apologize, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I believe uh, I had done something at the ICSE show, and I believe it was that 65% of the world's population by the year 2050 will live in uh, what's considered an urban environment. Um, which is a significant increase over compared to what we are now. I think we're at like 48 or 49%. As a, and I, I could go back and check that and make sure I clean that up if I need it, but something along those lines. So, you know, again, yeah, as, as we're spending more time, you know, kind of in this kind of virtual, in in architecture, I mean, the easiest way I can explain that is, you know, as we've, you know, transformed, I say it all the time, like, uh, we're going through the transformation in design and architecture right now. You know, Michelangelo and he, you know, and he designed buildings and, and, and all the famous architects of the past, they were drawing things onto a piece of paper that was then used to co construct the building. You know, we had this major change in technology in the late seventies, early eighties, where everything went over to AutoCAD, but in, in, tr- in true form, it was kind of just taking what was done by hand and turning it into a method in a computer system. Um today is the actual transformation you know over the last 10 years as as architects have gone into programs like Revit we're actually virtually constructing buildings within a virtual environment and we have to make the same decisions that contractors make in the field because we're no longer you know uh translating from 2d to 3d we're actually building everything in 3d at the same time so um you know I think I pulled that point across to just say that right now as a society, you know, cell phones have been around and we've been able to talk over the phone and the video chats and stuff like that. But I think it takes time for that technology to become a habit and a part of our day to day life and to really utilize it for the maximum potential that it has. And as we've gone through this, I think that we're all seeing that we can handle things through video calls. We can telecommute. So again, Rick, I think to your point, that kind of idea of people needing a place of reprieve and to go out is going to become even more important now that we've gone to this next level with technology on the day-to-day within our work environment.
2: Um, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, to try to, uh, we've been talking kind of macro that to, to drill into the the micro, like Dan was uh, suggesting in some of the the materials and layout and everything. I, I do think you might, uh, you might start to see some more private offices. Um, you know, we went from everybody having a private office, like it, like you think of a typical lawyer's office to the other end where it was almost like a call center like you were saying in your office where kind of computer stations just lined up I think uh, because of this COVID and um, you know the six foot social distancing um, we're gonna we may start to see a little bit more um, you know sectioned off spaces uh, so people can have they're separate space compared to uh, compared to the person next to them, so they're not shoulder to shoulder. Um, actually, I'm helping a doctor I know right now lay out their their new office space, and we're enlarging the exam rooms because they want to make sure that the physician is can be at least six feet from who's ever in there, just in case that. You know if this doesn't change anytime soon they just like that option to be that far away um, so yeah less less mass groups of people and uh more private spaces
3: are yes. you the same yes dan did you have something yeah i was just gonna ask a
1: question just about materials for a second um yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking, you know, you're, and I'm just curious your thoughts on both Rick and, and Andrew. So, for example, I was thinking about like, um, you know, a number of office, like Irvine Company out in California, when you go to the elevator, you know, it's one of those where you push the button on the outside, and then the elevator takes you to the floor without any internal pushing. You know, and that, I suppose that could be maybe activated from your phone or voice or something like that. Do you, any other technologies that you see out there in terms of, you know, keeping people, I guess, safe in whatever way that is that, you know, that are kind of on the edge that maybe become more normal um, in space design and utilization.
3: Yeah, I think there are. I mean, um, you know, I think security, uh, you know, I have a brother-in-law who works at Johnson controls and they're always at the forefront of a lot of that stuff when it comes to actually like installing that security. And, you know, I think within certain environments, a lot of the security has taken a pretty far leaps. I mean, without touching, you know, especially in some of the laboratory laboratories and, and, you know, where there's um, you know, there's chemists and stuff like that. They've, They've already got it to the point where, you know, they use thermal, you know, the thermal imaging, they use eye retina exam, uh, retinas, and they use, um, they use voice activations and stuff like that. Um, You know, I think that it's taken the the leaps that it's need to in that. But, you know, as far as technology within the day to day life, I, I can honestly tell you that the technology exists today. It's, you know, and it's the it, same thing with buildings. Buildings, you know, as we design today, I think that we've been able to get a little bit more, um, a little bit more creative as architects, especially in the retail market because of the, the, the mass changes in technology and pricing on materials. So contemporary buildings, if we want to use metal panels, um, you know, they come back at like $60, $70 a square foot at times to go with a really nice looking panel. But now because of, you know, fiber cement and some of the companies that come through with the hybrid systems of rain screens, you know, we can make it look that way, but we can do it almost at a very small upcharge in comparison to what an EFIS or a stucco would cost because the technology is now there. So, you know, I don't know if the technology has been embedded at enough to get the volume of competitors out there to, kind of lower the prices on some of those things. But you know, you you almost everyone on this call probably has an Alexa in their house, right? Mine might turn on just because I said her name right now and order something on Amazon for me. But you know, the technology is there. I mean, we're, we're working with it on a day to day basis in our house. I mean, our doorbells now have video cameras on them. And if we're not home, people can leave a message. So it's a matter of having the right people come in and, and, and kind of in, implore the technology that already exists to start to you know answer some of these questions but i i do believe that this will be a catalyst for a lot of that stuff to get pushed you know maybe it was 10 years from now and it's like oh we'll get there when we get there but because of going through what we're going through right now i think it's going to push the envelope on a, a, a very smart country filled with very brilliant people to look forward and say hey let's start to do this it makes more sense to do it now whereas before it may not have been, uh, you know, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So, um, I think we'll get there, and I—I I mean, the technology definitely exists. I've—I've I've done some pretty high-end, very secure buildings, and and learned a lot from doing the security side of things, which is 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 probably at the forefront of a lot of this. But you know, bringing it out to mainstream and, and walking up to a retail store, I, I could see a day where you could walk up to a retail store and, you know, you could talk into a microphone and say, you know, I want to sit on the bench out front. Can you please bring uh, order number sixteen twenty-four? outside for me and you don't even have to walk in the store and it will be just right up on the window or, uh, you know, walking up to the door and say, please open or having sensors. I mean, the sensors already exist, but you know, we can get there. It's just a matter of, of, you know, kind of, I guess the habits of people kind of pushing us to get there and making it. So it's important to us is what's going to make it important for them to kind of push forward with the design side of it. Yeah, I, I completely
2: agree. Um, it- What we're going through is definitely going to force some of the technologies that different retailers and businesses have been playing with uh, to the forefront, kind of like video conferencing has been. Um, I tell my wife every time we go to Target that I think Target is going to be the first to make that Amazon store like Amazon Drive, where you could walk in and when you put the product in your cart, it charged you, um, you know, and target has this cartwheel app where you basically scan each item as you put it in your cart. And I think getting people used to doing that. Um, I think we're going to get to the point where you're going to be able to scan your own stuff, get rid of the, um, you know, the employees checking you out that that interaction right there. I think that's, definitely a reality um because of this you know you don't want um that's probably the worst and dirtiest part of going to a retailer is even if you pay with a credit card you are typically or your debit card you are <laughs> typically putting your pin number in or your your zip code um and obviously there's voice technology and stuff to get get around that actual touching but i think it's going to push some of that forward and then you know, in just the standard built environment, um, one of the scariest things I, I heard from actually a friend of mine an infectious, infectious disease physician, and they were telling me that stainless steel, which everything in restaurants and hospitals is made out of, was actually one of the surfaces that allowed this virus to live the longest on. You know actually some of the porous materials um you know like paper clothing it didn't live as long on because it it kind of soaked and separated it up into the material it sat on so i think you'll see um you know the use of some uv lighting uh to kill some of that bacteria on those like High traffic points like pin pads or buttons for elevators because you know you can put a small little UV light over that and that will kill a large percentage of the bacteria that's on there and keep it from you know having someone to wipe it down all the time and then it's also materials like copper that's naturally um, kind of resistant and will actually help kill some of these bacterias on there then again it you can design something for one bacteria and then a bacteria comes along that <laughs> it makes it's no use towards it so i think that the technology will take off and then you know just i think people will think about it more as they're designing spaces
3: that's a that's a great point yeah i think that's the that's the point right there i think that before this happened i don't think people had really thought about that right and and you know it wasn't even anything you know you know you you can go up to a lot of credit cards today are frictionless where you can just tap the machine but people never really wanted to use that technology right it's kind of like buying something online 15 years ago right so um you know i think that again, I think a lot of the technology is there, but, you know, and even when we're designing right now, I, I already hear people talking about it, right? When it's like, how can we handle a six feet social distancing and maintain maximum amount of occupancy within the space? And, you know, you know, it's amazing how creative people have been on the fly. I mean, everyone's been to the grocery store and everybody, you know, is, is kind of seen how, you know, they're they're trying to change the way that we queue through a store. And, you know, if it wasn't in this current environment, people would kind of be like, "Why am I being forced to wait uh, you know you know fifty feet away from a cash register and wait for someone to tell me to go up there but you know if you if you look at some of the design stuff that's happened um over throughout the years i mean especially up in new york um Christina, I'm sure you've been over to New York and seen you know, there's there's their, their way of doing things over there is a lot different. You have the, we call them the urban design kiosk where they had like little signs and there's like, go to station 15, go to space, station 12. So, you know, that worked really well for large volumes of people. But now that we've, even in suburban markets where maybe the occupancy of a grocery store hasn't been as good, we're starting to treat even grocery stores that way with kind of like the queue and then, and, and then and send someone up to cash register. So I don't know if it's going to be a part of our design to make it the norm to make it so people are, are constantly doing this. I think everybody's under the same impression that as we get through this, we'll kind of get back to, you know, going within three feet of each other and stuff like that. But I think people are going to are going to want to have an answer if this is to come up again how can we deal with it better uh, rather than trying to deal with it on the fly we want to have some plans and and some design strategies implemented on the front end of these so that we're prepared to do it and we can you know if we need to turn it on tomorrow we can turn it on tomorrow
2: yeah no i it's funny though when you said that about how people use space at it made me think my, my family's up in Michigan and I'm down in Florida and they were telling me how, you know, at their grocery stores, it was all one way traffic down the aisles. Um, they weren't allowed to, uh, and they'd have to wait until someone was a certain distance down the aisle before they could go in. And I mean, that that in itself could modify how you lay stores out. Maybe the the aisles aren't as large anymore because you've only got People walking one way down.
3: And, uh, yeah, and and, and and there's another side of this. There's a whole other technology that we're, uh, we're investigating right now. We just actually, in our firm, we just did a grocery, we called it the grocery store of the future. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't want to use this as a promotion or anything like that, but I would say the idea behind that is actually to turn a grocery store, in a sense, into a large vending machine. Um, there's some unbelievable technology out there with, with the kind of these micro fulfillments and, and stuff like that, where you can take a center of a store on a four to one ratio, you could take a grocery store and consolidate the square footage of that grocery store by kind of, I mean, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with a Wawa or sheets or uh, like kind of that made to go order where you could kind of go up to a machine or you could have it preloaded on an app, you scan your app, the machine runs and grabs your stuff and it comes out in a nice little box or two boxes or three boxes in a grocery cart for you. And you can go enjoy your coffee over to the side. You can go enjoy sitting down and and grabbing a sandwich at at the deli or something like that. And your shopping is kind of just handled by this machine that takes about three to five minutes to go and pick your order for you. Um, So we've, we've, we've seen stuff like that, uh, kind of almost a a grocery store without having to shop in the grocery store. Um, We've seen it uh, that, kind of technology being looked at for you know uh, cosmetics we've seen it looked at for um, you know some general retail I think when you when you find a retailer that's very it's got to have a certain size to it in order to make that function well so um, you you know it's not really good with clothing but it's good with kind of uh, you know the grocery style of, of shopping experience where you can pick similar style things within a certain market and you can, and you can bring it out. So I, you know, I, I don't think, you know, the technology is, you know, I think that's probably towards the future. That's why we kind of called it the grocery store of the future internally, but it is something that's being looked at. I I mean, I've been out to Walmart. I've worked with target. I've worked with uh, a lot of the largest retailers in the country. I mean, you can go to Bentonville and there's a grocery store out in Bentonville that you can't go inside and shop. You just go up to the kiosk out in front and you you and you grab your and you grab your groceries they bring it to your car so um it's there's a lot of been there's a there's been a lot of testing with these kind of futuristic designs and and how to integrate the online or app shopping with uh, customer experience and um you know i think that we're going to continue And this whole event we're going through is really going to start to transform it at a faster pace decisions are going to have to be made and it might not be as much of a test and balance anymore it might be just we got to go we got to do this and which which version of our options that we've tried has worked the best and let's kind of push forward that but i seen a question in the chat about you know people uh requiring some more space um you know that's a great question um you know there's a a retailer I'm, i'm from upstate new york when i grew up and then uh, they had a store up there called Service Merchandise. I'm sure many people are familiar with it. And, you know, it was my favorite thing as a kid. I'd go to the the room out in front, which is like this 20,000 square foot thing. And I was so excited when I would bring my ticket up to the counter and watch it come down the conveyor belt. So, you know, I, I, I I don't know what the size is. I, I, you know, ratio wise, you know, it used to be let's make the storage room in the back as small as possible and keep everything up on the sales floor. It's kind of getting to the point now where I see let's keep the sales floor out in front a little bit smaller and keep more in the back because we have uh, the delivery or we have the pickup and we need to keep that stuff in a place in the back. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it hasn't been something that I've seen people really changing the size of their space. It's just a matter of what the ratio of how they lay it out in the interior has been, has kind of been, uh, sought after. So.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree as far as, uh, you know, like I'm a tenant rep as well. And, uh, you know, I, as far as uh, space getting bigger, I don't know. It, it really depends on the use. Um, it's all going to be, you know, in specific cir- circumstances. And uh, from band, um, you know, and kind of uh, your entertainment or, or bar type environment. Um, and what that's going to do, that's, uh, that's a good question. Because I know it's actually why I don't like, going to eat at a lot of these chain restaurants is uh, you get some of them you get jammed into this large open area um and you know you're real close to the table next to you you at this like flimsy little chair and um i think that's gonna start to change the way restaurants and and bars are laid out There's a little bit more room a little less uh you know um a little less uh, chairs because they'll have to jam more people into a larger kind of space per person. Um, yeah, how about you Andrew, any thoughts?
3: That's is a that- really tough one actually. That's probably you know I I I think that the restaurant the restaurants are one thing, but I think that you're right that bar experience is probably the the hardest trick out of all of this, right? Um, just everyone knows that atmosphere. Um, I I have drank beer and and, and other things in my life. So I am familiar with that atmosphere. And it is it is a tough one to replicate. I mean, and it's not just that I I think that also brings up the question of, you know, even sporting events. And, you know, because a lot of people go to bars to experience that kind of, you know, camaraderie of, you know, watching their team on TV when they can't go to the game. So, You know it that that whole that whole atmosphere is kind of created about keeping people close together and 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 you know being feeling like everybody is one person and going for the same the same thing so you know that that's that's probably the hardest question to answer out of any anything when we're all said and done with this i i i see that as as you know and and i would say you know as a firm we do a lot of work with miller's alehouse down here in florida um and you know they have a great experience within their restaurants and um and they have a great bar experience as well where it's busy pretty much all day uh, one of the things that they have done and one of their 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 things is that uh, and we've done them all the way up in new jersey so christina we've been working on some of them up your way as well is that they have like kind of what they call the florida room and they're and they're kind of setup up where they have this kind of outdoor bar that they they do fill up a lot so when it's real nice outside you know most of the people kind of shift over and they they enjoy that kind of more outdoor environment and the windows are open and 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 stuff like that but there is a roof over your head so you know i don't know if that gets us closer but that's one thing i have seen that it it, you know it wasn't as a result of this it was just kind of the way that people are changing their habits and, and they've had a tremendous amount of success with that so maybe we start to see uh, more of these bars spread out onto the street. Uh, maybe that's the way more room is getting gotten. So, you know, as, as we're designing the spaces um, you know, maybe having everything indoors isn't as important as it once was where we try to kind of corral everybody. in. maybe with, as designers, you know, trying to integrate and make that street experience that Rick, you talked about, about being able to go over and, and go and enjoy might become even more important as we go forward.
2: Yeah. I'm um it's, uh, Janet and Dan made mention to it in the, in the chat I think uh, definitely in Florida um, a lot of the restaurants are still open and they've spilled out onto the sidewalks and um, you know one of the guys here in Pensacola is selling hot dogs and hamburgers and you can drive up and buy one from your car <laughs> down our little main street downtown and um, I think you will see more of that and it actually might come from a regulatory stance where, you know, if this is an issue, maybe the fire marshal gets involved and all of a sudden your, you know, allowed occupancy of a space goes down. I know, you know, the restaurants here are open, but they're they're only allowed to be at twenty five percent capacity mm-hmm. and they're relating it to that that fire marshal set occupancy limit so you know maybe that's how we're forced into that situation and and then i think you're right there people are going to want to drink their beer people are going to want to watch the game and it'll spill out into sadly the from our perspective <laughs> to the parts um that are more shared space that uh you're not paying rent <laughs> yeah
1: I've, I've heard it's the demise of Cheers, but the uh, the uh, return of
3: the car hop, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's funny. Drive-through movie theaters are becoming a thing again, right? Uh-huh. So, you know.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, in New Jersey, they're trying to re-up the drive-through movie theaters.
3: Yeah, and I just yeah. uh, I I just seen another question come through on the reuse of regional malls for experience. Uh, You know, it's, that's, that's a tough one. You know, uh, the thing about from a design standpoint, and I'm sure most of you have probably come up with this is that when you start to take and repurpose an old retail mercantile occupancy for assembly use, or, you know, especially when we're converting to fitness and we're converting to, um, and, you know, like trampoline parks, we see a lot of those, the bouncy house places, um, you know, uh, Dave and Buster's type arcade. Uh, I mean, we've even seen down here in Florida, the conversion of some of these spaces to a, uh, indoor go-kart track, um, so, you know, when, you, when you're getting in with those, uh, you know, one one suggestion that I would uh, just point out is it's not as easy as just changing that space over. Uh, a lot of times it comes with uh, uh, extremely difficult code compliance issues that, um, you know, we've, we've found a way to combat a lot of those. But, you know, that's the hard part with reuse of a, of a mall for experience really is because as soon as you start talking about experience, then you start talking about the occupancy, which is assembly, and there's A1s, a two's and the code requirements for that become much more stringent but um, you know, I, I have, it has obviously been done very successfully uh, throughout the country. So it can be done. It's just one of those things where if you're, you're putting a cost per square foot on something based upon retail, I'd just be careful with doing that and, and, and you know, understand that there's probably going to be some structural changes and upgrades to the building, maybe not changing the structure, but, you know, fireproofing or something like that that might come into play. Yeah, No, and it's it's funny that just thinking about the comments in the the chat.
2: um, Shutting down Main Street and making, um, you know, the streets more occupiable. And that I think uh, if you think about some of these lifestyle centers, um, just spitballing ways for uh, landlords to actually get paid for some of that activity. You know, maybe the, you know, the cam charges go up um because you're blocking streets off and you're providing more space for for everybody outside and uh they can kind of offset some of those uh use costs with uh bring some revenue in on charging more for just the the experience common area so
3: and Rick, to that point, another place in the town centers that we've seen, um, the developers that I've worked with actually be able to help to offset the cost of that and uh, is, you know, on the marketing side of things. So, you know, digital, it's always hard to get digital billboard or digital st- things into projects, depending on what jurisdictions you are in. But if you can add a, uh, like a, a little TV board that is like a wayfinding sign that also has advertising kind of going back and forth through it and, you know, within the center, here's some ads. I, I We've found that to be a, a ch- extremely help, uh, helpful. There's actually companies out there right now that if you do car charging stations, they'll actually... Give you the car charging station they'll pay for it up front um in order to use and advertise on on the billboard or the little tv screen that's attached to it so Um, you know, there's, there's some very creative ways to, to help to offset some of the cost of experience. Um, and you know, you know, it's always that difficult choice of, you know, here's how much it costs to lease the space here much, here's how much the cam charges. And, but there's always thresholds to the success of that and getting people to come in. So, you know, there are other creative ways to, to, to help, to start to offset some of those costs to keep it, um. Extremely aggressive to keep the centers fully occupied at all times. So,
2: yeah, maybe you'll see a little bit more of the the center of the mall kiosk type uh, layout, where you know it's kind of one big space and a bunch of little retailers, um, you know, in one big open area.
3: Well, you see that, uh, uh, Christina, if you've been up to Newark, the airport up there, what they started doing is they actually do a leased kitchen mm-hmm. and they have multiple uh, restaurant uh, companies uh, or divisions yeah they all kind of share and 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 rent out the kitchen and then they have the kiosks in the center where you can come sit at the bar and they'll you can order from five or six different restaurants and they'll bring you whichever food that you want wherever you are Mm -hmm. in in the airport so um you know that's a pretty cool way of you know as we talked earlier about what's the future of bars and stuff maybe it's just this kind of grand venue where you plug in a whole bunch of different restaurants into it and you can sit wherever you want. And, you know, and something like that starts to happen or, or a center that you can start to share the resources. So.
2: No, you hit on something important there. Cause, uh, I've had over the past couple of years, I've had a lot of, uh, local either people that sell stuff at farmer's markets or they sell stuff online, like baked goods and that they're always looking for, um, kitchens that they can use to make their product because it all has to be done in a, you know, health department approved setting. And uh, a couple of them were trying to set up these, just it's kitchen, people rent time in it. And, uh, you know, that's all it's there for. And I heard a cool term for it. it's called a ghost kitchen. And there's, they're more and more popular nowadays. So I, I think we'll see a lot more of those going forward. Um, especially with the delivery, and um, actually, I, that's really cool, which brought up is about Newark and how they do that. Um, it, from an architectural standpoint, it's a lot cheaper to do that too if you kind of concentrate that all in one hub
3: (laughs) yeah and no and and it's in 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 certain areas there's there was uh i can't remember if it was on good morning america cnbc they actually just had um they just had a if you go back through youtube and kind of look up what you just said it's called a ghost kitchen there's a lot of companies right now restaurant companies right now that are uh that are cooking foods for five or six different restaurants they have the ingredients for it and that's how they've maintained the the volume of 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 resources and revenues during this time is kind of offsetting that by being the hub to do the the food preparation and cooking for uh, multiple different brand names and then delivering direct to house. So that ghost kitchen thing is actually really taken off as a result of what's going on right now, more so than it was before.
1: Well, I'll tell you being a Chicago resident and bar culture is big, right? You get the kiosks and some of the brew pups where you can order from multiple restaurants and multiple ghost kitchens and they bring the food to the, bar. so you basically, can go to a brew pub, get, you know, sit there and taste their flight, but then order from whenever you want and they bring the delivery there all coming from a ghost kitchen. So it's actually a good model for a restaurateur in a sense, right? Cause they take away the fixed cost of the seating and the decor and all that. And they just focus on the food. Yeah. Kind of, and it's obviously, it's a kind of a more upscale food product, right? It's a, it's a creative and interesting way to kind of, uh, new restaurant model I don't know which makes sense you know if you dedicate your square
2: footage to the most profitable product which is alcohol <laughs> and then uh, have the food shipped in I think that's a, it's a good business model
1: exactly exactly all right Christina do we have any other questions
0: I don't we just have some comments um, going back to the food side of the retail with buffets and you know how things would change and I think that's a nice wrap-up was um, just to tell a short story, I was checking out the Thunderbirds and the Blue Angels that flew over and I couldn't believe how many people flocked in their cars and just stopped in the middle of the street to look up. And when I was talking to John Clemson, um, Coach K that we've had on our call, he said it's interesting how humans crave that social interaction and that shared experience. So, you know, I think this was a really great conversation to kind of dive a little bit into that and how we're going to have to refocus our shared experiences and how we create those interactions. So, I'll be curious to see, you know, as we start planning out, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for a follow up to this um, because this was a great conversation. Um, You know, as we get a couple of months into this and we start to see what some companies are doing and what some other counterparts are doing um, in the industry. So thank you so much Rick and Andrew um, for being on with us today. We had some really great comments in here. Um, If there's any questions you know feel free to reach out to Dan or myself and we can make sure that we get you those answers. Before we completely wrap up I want to remind you of our sessions on Monday. We have a session on how to um, how to gain income through residential referrals. Tom Hershey will be moderating a panel with Bob Fredrickson from CBC Danforth. Um, Todd Payne and Steve Caravelli both from CBC Realty um, sharing their perspectives on how they won business through residential referrals and how they create those connections within their market and they work on that flip side to really get that quality referral um, even more so than just a lead, which will be a great session. And then the following Monday we'll have Coach K, John Clemson, back to talk about leadership in a time like we are living today. Um, We call it leadership in COVID-19, but we do go through some tactics on recruiting and how to think about your business differently and how to work with your individuals um, in your office. So please join us for those two Monday sessions. And then we will continue our Friday series, um, our virtual coffee breaks every Friday. You can find all of this information on the Building Your Business tab within Commercial University, as well as the recordings for all of these sessions. We try to have them up within 24 hours, 48 hours from the session. So again, thank you everybody Everybody, um for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rick and Andrew, for your insights. And as always, Dan, your insights. I know we went super over time, but um, I appreciate you hanging on with us. And I hope everyone has a really great weekend.
3: Rick warned you, architects can talk, so. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> it's a great
1: conversation. It was a great
0: conversation. I, I
1: will say, Andrew, the only thing that scared me in your comments is what does it mean for unemployment, right? Whenever these technologies are deployed and we're all going to <laughs> Amazon Go stores, but that's another conversation. So we'll
3: Stop it there. All right, sounds like a plan. (laughs) Take care. Thanks everyone. Have a great
1: one.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.